today's topic, and the one we'll continue with, um, if not throughout the year, um, then um, throughout the next few months, I believe, is a question that has bothered me for a long, long time. And namely, it's the question of the relationship between uh, Jews and non-Jews. And um, not only in terms of their relationship per se, but on an individual level as well, um, is it possible that a Jew is considered to be greater uh, in terms of spirit, in terms of soul, than a non-Jew, which sounds very offensive perhaps? Or do such individuals share the same soul? Um, how do we describe the fact that the Jewish people are the chosen people? In what way do we understand that? All right? So all of these are questions that um, basically I have asked myself, especially over the last few months, and I decided that instead of uh, kind of just leaving it there, it would suit my needs best to basically investigate it on my own, and uh, that's what I'll be doing during the course of this class and sharing my findings with you. So um, we are going to start this evening by taking a look at the Noahide laws. As some of you may already know, um, ahead of this discussion, um, there are certain laws that are obligatory for uh, non-Jews, and uh, that's couched in a certain way um, in Maimonides' work in his Mishnah Torah. The, the Rambam, Maimonides, makes this more clear than anyone else does, all right, um, by um, putting this into one particular area uh, in his Mishnah Torah, namely at the very end, um, when he discusses this matter. So if everyone will please take a look, if you have the Hebrew, um, I have purposely introduced it to you um, at the top of the page. It says Halacha Test, if you have the Hebrew, or it's um, the English, the, uh, the longer English page, if you have that in front of you as well. All right? And this is very strange. I've included it as you see it, for those who read Hebrew, that we have, what we're going to look at is really halachas yud and yud aleph to deal with the laws of the Noahides. However, Maimonides brings these two laws kind of very strangely uh, right in the end of a previous chapter, um, and the previous chapter does not have to do with the Noahide laws. So if you look at the top of the page, it says, Yifat toar shelo ratzta haniach avodazara hacharash neimetzar chodesh a beautiful woman who uh, does not want to give up her idolatry uh, after 12 months, Horginota, we kill her. Let's give this some context here for those listening online. We kill her. What does that mean? There's a parsha in the Torah called Parsha Kitetse, where there it says that if the Jewish people are at war and the soldiers see uh, and lust for a beautiful woman, that while usually the Torah would just say, well, forget it. Well, you, you lust for her. So what? She's not Jewish and she's idolatrous and everything else. And forget it. You can't, you can't have her. All right? Why, are we going to let somebody can have her? But the Torah says you can have her. You can have her. What? What's going on? And Rashi says, according to Gemara, Lodi Sahara, that the Torah wisely was speaking against man's evil inclination, knowing that war is hell, and if man is out there at war and he hasn't seen his wife or his girl, or whatever, for many, many months or years or who knows, and so he wants this woman, and if the Torah says, well, sorry, you can't have her, the man's not going to be able to control himself, and he's going to do it anyway. So thereby, the Torah wisely says, according to our tradition, 
Alright, you want her? Fine, you captured her? That's fine. Wait a minute, you can have her. Okay, good, I can have her yet. You just have to go through a certain process. You have to bring her back to the city with you, right? She has to get out of her beautiful clothing and everything that she was wearing because the women at the time used to wear seductive clothing to try to entice uh, the Jewish soldiers. So she has to look kind of in her regular shabby, if you will, clothing, alright? She has to cut her hair, cut her nails, everything, you know, not looking like Miss Glamorous. Alright? Then she has to give up her idolatry. Alright? And then after all this, even though usually we wouldn't allow that either, usually you just can't look after someone who's not Jewish. I want to take them for my wife. You can't do that. I can't allow to do that. But in this case, the Torah said where a person is in this particular situation, this is permitted to be done. Alright? And where the woman is brought back, she eventually has to give up her idolatrous practices, or else. It says, now we put into context, if she does not do so for 12 months, she is put to death. Where where does that come in? Going on. And so too the Rambam says that if you have a city, we have a halacha, the Rambam says, that whenever the Jews would go to war, let's say even when they took the land of Israel with Joshua, they first had to try to make peace with the individuals of the city uh, before they would conquer it. And if the non-Jewish community would say, all right, fine, we understand, you're coming here to take us over, we understand, um, what are you going to do, kill us? No, no, we're not going to kill you. you, you have a right to live here, no problem. However, there's certain things you have to do. You cannot keep worshiping idols. God gave us this land. It's a land for, for him. It's for one God. You cannot worship idols. And you have to destroy all the places where idols are worshipped. And then you have to ex- accept upon yourself all of the commandments, all of the Noahide laws. All the laws that have been commanded to the children of Noah. Because any idolater who does not accept upon himself the commandments that were commanded to the children of Noah, if we could and were able to, we would put such people to death. So it's very strange. The Rambam previously discussing this law of a woman who had war you lust for. So suddenly, see, he introduces here, he has to introduce this halacha, this notion that a, uh, a woman must commit her idolatry, must accept the laws of the day Noach, or else she is to be put to death. That's the background to now these two final halachas of the chapter, which are really our introductory halachas, okay, uh, regarding the Noahide laws. And as I tell you, it's very strange for the Rambam, who is usually so careful in terms of his classification, to kind of, you'll see, throw in these halachas at the end of chapter 8, when really you'll see they should have started a new chapter. It's very strange. Because here we go with the next halacha. Okay, here we go with, with you. And this would be the beginning of a chapter. You'll see. Moshe Rabbeinu lo Torah Israel. Moses, our teacher, did not hand over the Torah and its commandments except for the Jewish people. Shenemar Morashak Hilat Yaakov. And it says it is an inheritance of the congregation of Jacob. And anyone who wants to become a part of this this law and wants to accept it upon themselves and wants to convert to Judaism from all the other nations, they can do it too. Shenemar Kachem Kager says that like you and like the convert, the law shall be the same. So a person can convert to Judaism if you would like to. 
אבל מי שלא רצה, but someone who does not want to, אין כופינו תו לקבל תורה ומצוות. We do not force this person to accept the Torah and its commandments. Amazingly, uh, astonishingly already in this halacha, if you know the history of religion, generally religions believe we have the truth. You don't have the truth. And our goal is to make you see the truth. The way we make you see it is we put a knife to your throat. Okay, that's how we make you see the truth. All right? Unless you'd like to accept it just, you know, on your own, which most people wouldn't do. We wouldn't just give up our religion. So therefore, you are at the threat of death. Will you accept our religion? If not, we kill you. This is what uh, has been done throughout the ages, uh, most famously with the Crusades, also oftentimes with the Muslims. All right? Um, the Jewish people, however... Sorry? Inquisition. Right, Inquisition, correct. All these cases we know of, right? That either you convert or else it's all over. Fire. That generally if you have the truth and you have a, you're another religion, you're Christianity, you're Islam, whatever, you want to convince people the truth, you, they have to believe like you believe, and, and you take over you know, their nation and so on. Judaism, as you see from this statement in, um, in number 10, so we see that again, that someone wants to convert to Judaism, if they want to, fine. We do not force them to accept the Torah and Mitzvah. We do not force anyone to accept the Torah. You want to be Jewish? That's fine. You don't want to be Jewish? That's also fine. We don't force you, which we'll see in a moment, but we don't force you to become a Jew. All right? We don't force you. However, right, Moshe Rabbeinu did command, did receive a command uh, from God, to force all those inhabitants of the world, to accept the Noahide laws. Hence, now you see the connection to the previous halacha, where remember the, the woman who was captured had to accept the Noahide laws or be killed. Alright? The Kol Whoever does not accept the Noahide laws must be killed. Now again, you don't want to be a Jew. You're not required to be a Jew. This is something astonishing. All of the religions say, you know, you have to accept Jesus or you have to go through the Son to get to the, the Father, right? Or else, forget it. It's all over. All right? However, and Islam says that if you do not believe in, in the Islamic faith and Muhammad, his prophet, you are an infidel. And comes along, Judaism says, no, you're not. You don't have to be Jewish. You don't have to be Jewish. All right? However, however, you have to be a Noahide. One second. You have to be a Noahide. That is to say, and we will look at these laws, there's a basic fabric of law and ethics that you must accept. That you must accept. Or, or then we even admit that you have to be put to death. But Judaism, that you don't have to accept. You don't have to accept Judaism. Now there's some more on the Ramam. If you know other things the Ramam is going to say, do not say it. Some of you may know some of this stuff. But this is, do you have another question? Well, if it's in the Ramam coming, please just wait for yeah, the well, well, I think without giving away too much, we're going to ask it already. I mean, you phrase it in a very a bit of a universalistic, tolerant framework. But let's say Judaism, let's uh, we'll be devil's advocate here. Okay. Unlike these other famous religions, Judaism is simply saying that there is a two, uh, I don't know what word I want to use, religion is the right word, or a two-class system. Okay? It's true that we don't force everybody to be the first class of uh, worshiper of God, so what we call the 60th century of Judaism, whatever word you want to use, but 
Kol HaMekabel Sheva Mitzvot. This is number 11 in the English. Whoever accepts these, these seven commandments, of which we don't know what they are yet, beneath our last Sotan, and is careful to do them. HaRezeh Mechasidei Umot Olam. That person has a place in the world to come. Right? He's one of the righteous. V'yeshul Chilam Abani has a place in the world to come. Again, um, traditionally it's been the Christian perspective until this, the previous Pope. Um, traditionally it was always the view that again to get to the Father you have to go through the Son and if you don't you're damned and that's it and so on everyone died the Holocaust the Shema Yisrael their lips is damned you have no way you can't get there generally Muhammad also I used to have a radio show and on that radio show once I had some Islamic guests and um, you know I tried to force this point of them but you have to leave Muhammad as the servant to, to have the correct belief they said well, yeah you know but uh, and I kept trying to, to show that Judaism is different and they said, well, Rabbi, if you're a good guy, I think you'll be all right, you know? But uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'll be all right. We'll see, according to our view, if you're a good guy, you'll be all right, perhaps. You'll be all right. But um, here we see, again, whoever's careful to keep these commandments, these Noahide laws, you don't have to be Jewish. You don't have to be Jewish. Keep the Noahide laws. You have a place in the world to come. You have a place in eternity with God. You have eternal life if you're not Jewish. You just have to keep the Noahide laws. That's if you accept them and you do them. You just can't accept them and not do them. You have to do them. You have to keep them. Observe them. And this is what some of you were saying now. And you have to keep them because God commanded in the Torah that Noahites keep these laws. And he made it known to us through Moses, our teacher, that the children of Noah, the Noahides, the non-Jews from the beginning of time, were commanded uh, in this way. But listen, if Noahides, if non-Jews kept these laws, just out of the, um, you know, their, their mind convinced them that this is something to do. They've decided, you know, these are moral laws. We should keep them. Did God tell us to keep them? I don't know. Did Moses tell them to keep them? I don't know. I'm a non-Jew. And I find these seven laws very appealing. So I'm going to keep these laws. If you do that, he says, no, you're not considered to have then the status of this resident who dwells among us, who's not Jewish. Nor are you from the righteous of the world, have a place in the world to come. Neither are you from their wise men. In other words, to just say, I'm a humanist or I'm an atheist and, and I don't believe in God, I just do these things because they seem to me to be right. Apparently to my modities, this is not sufficient, although I might add that some, including the students of the Vilna Gaon and also of Cook, have a different reading here. At the very end when it says, such people are not of the righteous of the world, their reading is, and not from their wise men, they have rather they're from their wise men. They're not the righteous of the world, but they are from their wise men. Some want to say it's even greater from being from being from the righteous ones. They're even greater. They're from the, the, the wise of the They're not just the normal people. They're the wise people. They came to such an understanding on their own. There's a debate on how is this to be read. We'll read it our way because it seems to be Maimonides is emphasizing that in order to fulfill this Noahidic code, you must be committed to the fact that we are keeping these laws because they came through a tradition of God giving it to Moses and eventually giving it to us.
I might point out now that Maimonides is somewhat controversial on this point. All the commentators say that they don't know where Maimonides got this from. Everyone else seems to say, keep the seven laws. You keep the seven laws. Where does it say anywhere in the Talmud that you have to do it? Because God told Moses, and Moses at our Sinai told the Jewish people, and therefore you have to accept the Torah, right, in order to to uh, accept and live by the Noachite laws and have a place in the world to come. Where does it say that anywhere? So many, most, disagree with my moderates. If you'd like to... You know, take that into your mind and accept and say, very good. So you don't have to go by Maimonides. Anyone who keeps these basic laws, which we will still see what they are, right, is a righteous person, has a place to overcome. That's such a universally acceptable view that's very nice and so open. Um, for me, who considers myself a Maimonides man, if you will, it's not so simple because especially I've looked at other sources. I've looked at this source through many other commentators. There are those who bring a source for Maimonides. One, there's a book called the Mishpat Amalucha, which was written by Rav Silver, the former chief rabbi of Cincinnati, as you know, Rav Silver. His son-in-law, Rav Gershuni, wrote a book called Mishpat Amalucha. And in that work, he brings the Ran and others who bring a Midrash that seems to say, that says, that the non-Jews also have to accept the laws because they came from God and they came from Moses. Furthermore, I just saw today... In the Torah Avraham by Rav Avraham Grudzinski, where there he brings down the Gemara on Daf Nun Tet in Masechet Sanhedrin, where there it says, whatever laws the Jews accepted to keep upon themselves had to be commanded by Moses to them at Mount Sinai. In other words, you all know that Abraham, we're reading about these parshas now in Shul, right, is commanded to circumcise himself, right? Okay. So do we keep the Torah of circumcision? Do we keep that law because Abraham circumcised himself? No, we don't. It's only because Moses, God commanded Moses to tell us to circumcise ourselves that we circumcise ourselves. All right? Otherwise, just because it was told to someone who lived and who lived you know, a Jewish life and connected God with the covenant, no. It has to be from Mount Sinai on that those laws exist forever. Right? So it says in this Gemara, in Sanhedrin, it says that and same with the Noahide laws. They were repeated again for the Noahides at Mount Sinai. So therefore, you see from this, according to this view, that it's understood that so too, they have to keep these laws because they were given at Mount Sinai through God, through Moses, to non-Jews. If a non-Jew would say again, I keep these laws, they're beautiful laws, yes, do you believe in Moses? I don't know. Believe in God? Not sure. Okay, then that's not what's expected here according to Maimonides. The expectation is you are keeping them because of God and Moses and that type of chain of tradition. Can someone explain to me why they think, maybe if someone hasn't spoken yet, why they think Maimonides is pushing this view? Aside if he had a source. You could say he's not pushing anything. Rabbi had a source. I just quoted a source for him. So he's bringing his source. That's what he thought the halacha was. He thought this was the law. But can anyone see the value in Maimonides putting it in this perspective? Yes. Well, it would be, let me give you an example. Somebody observes my wife, say we have a neighbor, is lighting Shabbos candles. And on Friday night, we have dinner by candlelight. And they say, gee, what a lovely custom. I think we'll do that. We'll light some candles on Friday nights and we'll have candlelight dinner. No bracha, no connection to um, Hashem, per se. So the act itself 
is not an act of tradition. It's just imitating something that somebody else you've observed uh, and you want to imitate. So what's missing, I think, is the relationship that this is connected to the law given inside. And without that, what your actions, even if, if you're even if you're doing these seven laws, if you're not doing them because they are connected. Okay, I think you know. Actually, I think you make an excellent point, but I'm going to disagree with you. No, I really, I, I didn't think about this. No, no, it's an excellent point. It really is a good point. Very good point. The only reason, the only reason I might disagree is just because, for the most part, these laws aren't ritual laws. So therefore, let's say if it says, as we'll see, you shall not kill. So isn't it meaningful? Does he have to know he's not killing because God said not to kill? If I really accept fully, I'm not going to kill. If Americans accept there's a law, you can't kill. If there's a God, there's not a God. So there, the imitation is the fulfillment of what we want, isn't it? As opposed to candles, you can say, just like, just like candles... So you're right, you're right. I like candles just in the window. So what does that do? You don't know it connects to shop. It connects to God. So what does that do? Just to light candles. You like candles on a birthday. What does that do? But to keep these laws, okay, not killing, not stealing, okay? So it seems to me the only reason I'm questioning what you said, because I think it's an excellent point, is that here, though, maybe it is enough, because it's a social, ethical norm, in a sense, that we're looking back. Oh, there is some exception to the no laws we'll have to deal with. But that's, that's my only question. So I have a, a friend. Uh, who's, who's very, who adheres very strongly to the Catholic faith. And we recognize that we share a value system. Right. And I don't accept that person's reason for the value system, and that person doesn't accept my reason for the value system, but we share the same value system. So, is that person, when they're doing not killing, I, it's not the same. Well, you are raising. It a does point. have a desired result in that they don't go around killing people or doing things that are necessary. Issues could come up like abortion. Is it killing here according to our faith? Is it killing according to their faith? How do you view it differently? There could be yeah. distinctions. You're right. There could be distinctions. So we got to So we, okay. we reach the desired result. Okay, I hear you. Good. But, 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 let me, let me ask anyone else. Anyone else see anything else? A grander kind of vision, as I understand it, of what Maimonides is trying to do here. Although, again, I'm careful about saying he's trying to do, because he would say, hello, Rabbi Bach, did you just quote a source for me? What do you mean I'm trying? I'm not trying to do anything. I'm just trying to tell you that this is what it says in the, sorry, the source I have in the Talmud. Okay, yes. He was living in a predominantly Islam Muslim society. Okay, if one uh, examines the, the uh, terms of Islam, it would seem that every conscious of Muslim is going through the motions of uh, observing these seven laws, although uh, his uh, reasoning obviously doesn't conform because Moses commanded the Jews. So uh, a Jew who has a uh, general notion about the uh, uh, universal, uh, universal, whatever the uh, word I'm looking for is, a word of guarantee or whatever of the Noahide laws might, uh, living among his Muslim neighbors, say, well, it's not important for me either to maintain my Jewishness at all, that's an extreme, or perhaps in the world of an extreme, but uh, that really we're two variations on the same theme. I can kind of acculturate myself, assimilate myself to Muslim society because they're also good 
I can invite them to my table of meat with pie, so do I, together, after all, they are Noahites. So here comes the rabbi and says, wait a minute. Yes, they may be actually conforming to the uh, parameters, legal parameters of the seven Noahite laws, but since their rationale is obviously not uh, within what the rabbi mandates, so whatever they are, whether you read the one reading the rabbi or the other, they're certainly not acceptable to us or, or ideal for us. So Jews uh, in our country, in our community, we have to maintain our uh, boundaries. Okay. All right. I, I have something else I want to say, but go ahead. Yes. I learned this a couple of nights ago with Michael Russo. Yeah. That you've got to, that the uh, non-Jews of the world have to be doing these seven laws because of Sinai, because God gave it to Moses. Right. And since this is the kind of thing that you basically learn in the yeshiva setting. Uh, you're probably not going to learn that very important idea um, on the streets. And the fact is that Christians today uh, are not doing these seven laws because of Sinaitic or Mosaic transmission. Indeed, uh, I think that Christianity comes along and says the Sinaitic and Mosaic um, experience is now that important that Jesus has come on the scene. So thanks to Paul and Christianity, it seems that we are really kind of dealing quite a death blow in some respects to to billions of people who, while they might be doing these wonderful laws, are doing it because uh, they think it's important, it's nice, and it gets incorporated within the Christian understanding. But if they're not going to be doing it, according to Maimonides, because it's God to Moses at Sinai, they're out the, uh, they're out the door. And so why would you be any other religion? Why would you be any other religion if you think that God came to Moses at Sinai? You'd be like, all right, well, that's the deal. How, why bother with anything else? I'm not quite sure what you mean by that. Okay, wait, I know what she means, because this is what I'm getting at. But I hear what you're saying. Wait, let me, let me just confirm. No, let me confirm. Yes, let me confirm what you're saying. Absolutely. When I first learned this on Maimonides, I was shocked. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, 20 years ago, whenever it was. When I first learned this because I said, wait a second. I thought everyone in America was such a nice, wonderful Noahide, right? Because they all are right. You know, most Americans are moral people, okay? So we're set. Forget, for example, forget now, of course, Christianity is belief that Jesus is that God or not. Is that an idolatry? You probably leave that alone for now. Most Americans are good people. Yeah, so, okay, we're all Noahides. I'll place the world to come. What? They're not Noahides just because they keep the laws. They have to be keeping them because, no. not just because it's a moral thing to do, but because it's commanded. No, I, no, no, no. But what I'm saying is before I read this, oh, before okay. I read this, I'm saying. Before I read this, is all my view. Shmuel saying, everyone's nice Noahide. And what I said originally, right? He's saying we're not so open, right? We're so open. Everything's great. You can be a Jew or you can be, if you're just a decent American, right? A decent citizen of the world. You are someone else a place that will come. What a beautiful religion. And now Shmuel saying, wait a minute. Like you said, perfect. The death blow. It's not so. Go out to any American who's not Jewish and say, um, okay, we'll ask the laws. You killed, you murdered, you know, all these things. I'll say, no, no, no. Keep them all. Let's say, let's say we keep them all. Okay, fine. All right. You keep them because Moses told you? What? What do you know? Because Moses told us. What do you mean because Moses told us? Now, even though, Shmuel, let me ask you this. It could be, and I'm just thinking, maybe they do keep them a little bit because they might say the Old Testament. Yeah, the Old Testament. So whether they think or not, I'm just thinking now that, yes, I keep it because Moses told me through God at Mount Sinai. Is it not so, let's say, the Ten Commandments, other things that some of them incorporate these, not laws? Maybe we can revive these 
Americans, <laughs> these, these, these individuals. No, I'm, you know, I never thought of it before. It just came to mind now. That I guess most of you would say, yeah, the Old Testament, that was something Jesus came and he said superseded, but maybe maybe it can be salvaged. But it was a good point because I thought that for years until just right now, this little light came into my head. I always thought, like you said, exactly. We've just, you know, all of humanity is just left out, except for some individuals, some of you may know, there are people who are called Noahides in this country. And we probably, many of you don't know about this because there aren't very many in Cincinnati. But you can go down south, you find a certain you know, enclave of people who are called Noahides. They ask rabbis their halachic questions. They keep the Noahide laws, which we haven't gotten to yet. And they do not keep, you know, Jewish rituals, nor do they keep other religious rituals. But my point now, adding to what I wanted to say, which is what I think you said. Okay, Drew? Jennifer. Jennifer, sorry. <laughs> this is what my point, what I want to make Jennifer's point. According to Maimonides... There are no other religions, seemingly. I mean, we'll have to clarify that further. But Maimonides says, at least right here, okay, here's your choice. You're a Jew, there you go. Or you keep these seven Noahide laws. I don't know, and we'll see later. I say I don't know, but we'll see later it is so. Does he say you're a Christian, you're a Muslim, you're this, you're that? No, no, no. You're, here's your choice. Jewish. You want to be Jewish? Here you go, no problem. Noahide. Okay, what about, I'm going to throw in Jesus there, but no, wait a minute. Moses commanded these Noahide laws, there you go, finished. Who says, who says you can do anything else? Who says you can create your own religion? And thereby, guess what? Look how this works then. Then everyone understands and knows that there's a God, the Jews are the chosen people. We have to discuss what the chosen people means throughout this class. There's a chosen people. There's only one way, right? Or, if you will, in that one way, there's a two-tiered system, as I will put it, all right? But there's no question no one's going to go killing Jews and saying because you have the wrong religion. What do you mean? If you understand correctly, there's our religion, and there's your religion, which is the Noah. But it's really all one grand religion. To me, that's an amazing, an amazing concept. There's not going to be a competition of religions here. Because there's Judaism, and we will allow everyone else to be Noahides. And if you're not going to be a Noahide, well, you've got a problem, we said. we got a problem. We never have a problem because the Jews never have any power to do anything. <laughs> but throughout history, certainly we didn't have any power. But, but again, this is somewhat, again, then limiting, certainly in nature, in that you could be a Noahide. Which to me, that the grand thing is that you don't have to keep 613 votes. We don't expect you to do all these things. You do the basic moral stuff. And if we can put in the idea that, let's say, Christians would believe in an Old Testament and therefore this is sufficient to tie them into Sinai and knows everything else, if we could do that, if we could say that, then maybe we, we have, you know, something here. Someone had a question? I have a little, a little yes. problem for my lack of knowledge. But from the time that, most, that Noah left the, the ark till Sinai there was a period of time when the Torah had not been given am I correct? sure so during that period were the B'nai Noah su- supposed to keep the Noahide laws Absolutely. until Sinai yes so how did they get them? yes so that's a very good question and some of you know the Gemaras and stuff are you know it's uh it's somewhat uh, sensitive. It is not explicitly stated in the Torah, but the Gemara in Sanhedrin, the Talmud, derives, for example, from last week's Parsha. It says, uh, uh, If someone kills, right, someone kills someone, then his own blood, right, 
he will be taken. He will be taken. Okay. So as we learn, you can't kill. Okay. There's a presumption there had to be such laws. Why is there a presumption there had to be, let's say, a law you shall not kill? Why is there a presumption? Think for a moment. Think back to creation. Why do you think there's a presumption, let's say, there yeah. was a law? Even God's image, and for men to spill the blood, it's, it's an insult to God himself, and the creation True. made as man. True, but, but I'm saying, let's say, there was no command, let's have to know all time even. There was no command that says, you shall not kill. So how am I supposed to know? <laughs> how am I supposed to know? Yeah. And Cain killed Abel. Yes. The Almighty's response to that, your punishment, um, you know, his blood is crying out from the ground, so perhaps you can argue that right there. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. Cain could have said what? Uh, there's no law. There's no law. There's no law. There's no law. Here, look. In the Torah, there's no law yet that says you cannot kill. So what are you, what are you blaming me for? Who said I couldn't kill him? Is there a law that I can't kill? There's no law that says I can't kill. The presumption is in Judaism, there were laws given to the first human beings right, that showed, among other things, they were not allowed to kill and do other prohibitions. It's a presumption. But the Torah does, the, the oral Torah does more than that. The Talmud actually goes and shows you from verses that you're not allowed. For example, it says in the, just to remember in the Breshit, which says that, uh, that a man therefore shall cleave to his wife. So it therefore says, from this we learn, that a man, let's say, can't commit adultery. In other words, they will point to verses that have a hint that indicate that these laws, in fact, were even in the written text. We don't have time to do it in the Talmud itself, but um, we generally learn it from the oral tradition. Still, again, it's a presumption. You're all right, but what, but also, how did these people? We know it from the Talmud. Okay, the, how did they know it? We know it from the Torah, but there was no Torah. How did they know it? Again, there's an assumption that God could not have held. Let's say, let's go to the generation of the flood. Last week's Torah reading. God says, "I'm going to destroy the world. Everyone is rotten, right? Everyone is evil. Let's destroy the world." Where did you tell us we couldn't do it? What do you mean? Uh, because you guys are all, you're, you're having improper sexual relations. You're killing each other. You're stealing, right? Those are some of the sins. Where did it say we can't do that? Where? Why didn't they say it doesn't say can't do that? You didn't tell us we couldn't do that? Point is, no, you can't do it. There's a presumption by the Torah itself, by our tradition, that those laws were given to the first human beings and well known. There was a place where I was learning about Hebrusa that... Uh, I can't remember whether it was Isaac or Jacob was studying in the yeshiva of Shem and Abel. Abel. So I said, so wait a minute. They had a yeshiva. They didn't have the study. Right. They didn't have the Torah. And he answered, <laughs> the Noachite laws. They were studying the Noachite laws. They'll say, wait, they went to yeshiva and studied for years. The Noachite laws? How long will it take us to do the Noachite laws? Two weeks. Yeah, okay. Okay. How long does it take? The answer is that you could learn entire tractates of the Talmud for the Noachite laws. You're not allowed to steal. The laws about stealing. The whole book's about stealing. All right, there are all sorts of things you can learn about these laws. So it's not so simple. In fact, someone once mentioned there's a book by an Aaron Lichtenstein, not to be confused with Aaron Lichtenstein. Aaron Lichtenstein has a book on the Noahide laws. And in this interesting book, he says that really, if you, um, if you see it like this, instead of it being seven laws, it's more seven branches. And under each of those branches, you'll find there are other laws. Okay, in other words, let's say if it says, and we're not really there yet, but let's say if there's one of the Nohide laws that says, um, you shall not steal. Okay, and there is one, right? You shall not steal. Okay, stealing means I take something that belongs to you and I take it to me. What if we have a case in the Torah called this Nohasagad Gvul? What if I open up a store um, that uh, sells, uh, you know, golf clubs, all right? right next to your store that sells golf clubs. And it so happens there's only room in this town for one store 
I want one person to make a living off of selling golf clubs. Just two stores just aren't going to do it. There aren't that many who play golf, unless they make the Everly thing back and do a golf. I hope they don't. But, the, but the, uh, there just aren't that many people who play golf. So Jewish law is called Hasagas Gul. There are different issues, there are different details about this. It's not so simple. But there could be that this guy could go to court and say, hey, he's going to put me out of business. Now, I know this is not capitalism, okay? But uh, in, in Jewish law, you're not supposed to try to put someone else out of business. In capitalism, you are. Okay, but, but uh, we're not supposed to try to put a guy out of business. So move downtown where they don't have a golf course or where they don't have a golf club place. Go to Kentucky, northern Kentucky, sell there. All right, don't go right next to him. You're going to put him out of business. All right? Now, would you call that stealing? So in Jewish law, that's considered stealing. So someone suggested, so under the law, you do not steal if that's an Ohio law. So this would, you wouldn't think you're that stealing. That's included. That's a, that would be another one under that branch. And he adds up that there are, I think, he says 66 Noahide laws. If you look at it that way, that there are seven kind of general principles, and under those you kind of get specific, you'll see there are more like 66 laws for them versus the 613 for us. So it's not so much like, wow, 7 versus 613. Whoa. Okay, it's already 66 versus 613. And if you consider that in our time, because we no longer have a temple, many laws don't apply, but it's really 200 and something versus the 66, and it becomes much more kind of reduced in terms of, uh, you know, the relationship. The 200 and something, you just said that even those might expand the more details, because if you look at um, any one of those headings, you can also expand those out. I mean, that's just the way it is with any... You'll have rabbinic laws to make sure you don't break the Torah laws and then customs and so-and-so. I mean, what, That's true. At what okay. point can you group the laws in the more general categories and at right. what point, what extent can you... Get, uh, expand them out into the very right, so all I'm trying, a good point. I'm just trying to say that so the Noachite laws can be expanded. Whether you can expand the Jewish laws with yeah. them, yeah, fine, you can. Okay. I think even the Ten Commandments yes. is kind of like a summary of, of right. the Right, there are those who say you can could, you could learn all the 613 from the Ten Commandments, or you can learn all the 613 from Kriyat Shema, from just the Shema. Hmm. So there are some summary uh, statements, you're right, in the Torah itself, which allow us to do that. That's, that's a good point. Okay, let me just, um, since we've made this. Uh, this notion known already, go to page two of the Hebrew. Klalo Shodavar, the basic principle is, Ein Meinichin Otan Chadesh Dat. He says it clearly. Oh, he says, We do not allow others to create a new religion. And to do mitzvot on their own in accordance with their own will. Rather, you have a choice. You can either be a righteous convert and accept all of the commandments upon yourself, like a Jew is obligated to keep. Or, you have a choice to stand within your Torah. It's called his Torah, which means the Noahide laws. Or you can engage in your Noahide laws, and you can't add, and you can't subtract. But you are not allowed to create your own religion. Again, as I've explained before, therefore, according to Maimonides, no one's ever going to have competing religions. It's going to be just Judaism. I mean, the vision is. And then what non-Jews do is something that also is encapsulated within a Jewish perspective, the Noahide laws. You're not going to have a Christianity saying Judaism is not true, and you're going to have Muslim Islam saying this is not true. You're just going to have the universal Noahide observance and the more specific Jewish observance. 
You following me? Again, this is the view of Maimonides. Others may disagree. Others don't have that statement we said that you must believe them because it came from Moses from outside. Others don't have that. But Maimonides does, and this is his view on the subject. I might add, however, if you look at the very next halacha, number 10, Ben Noach Shiratzal Asot Mitzvah Mishar Mitzvot, a non-Jew who wants to do other mitzvahs of the Torah. A non-Jew says, you know, I'm going to be a Noahide. Why should I get involved in all these 613? It's very difficult. I, mean, if, I, I wouldn't ask you because, you know, I'm sure most of us enjoy our Jewish involvement and participation in Sukkot and Rosh Hashanah and Kippur and the like and Davni and so on. But, you know, if you ever think for a minute, you know, hey, Noahide isn't. Not so bad. Let's just go with the big seven. Let's go with the big seven. You know, why get the tzitzit? You know, they have to go to shul three times a day. Forget it. You know, there's various leniencies that we don't have now. Your evil inclination could fly a little bit. You know, you can't, I mean, you know, not so bad. Not so bad. All right. What if you wanted to do that? Well, if you're a Jew, you can't do it. You're stuck. But if you are a Ben Noach and you wanted to add on, the Noahide tradition was not sufficient for you, Ramam says, if you want to do more, you can do more. You can do more mitzvahs. A non-Jew can do mitzvahs if he or she wants to, if he does them correctly. If he does them correctly. He may be If he wants to bring a sacrifice to the temple, fine. Natan Sadaka. You want to give us charity? We'll take it. We'll give it. You can give charity. Some exceptions, right? The Ramam says, Anjou is not allowed to study Torah unless it's within a, a conversion type of track and setting. A non-Jew is not allowed to study Torah because it says, Torah Tzirvalana Moshe, Morashat Kilat Yaakov. The Torah was commanded to us by Moses. It's the inheritance of the Jewish people. It's not for non-Jews to study, unless, again, they're studying for the sake of conversion, and that is their purpose. And the second thing is, the main item is Shabbat, right? Shabbat, it says, Between myself and the Jewish people, this is a sign. It's supposed to be kept between me and the Jewish people. It's an intimate you know, symbol, like the wedding ring between me and the Jewish people. That's what Shabbos is. All right? It's not between me and non-Jews. It's just not. We have other things. We have no laws. Shabbos is for the Jewish people. Even though it's a universal concept that was introduced with the creation of the world, you might think Shabbos should be relevant to everyone. But at least until the ultimate of days, uh, the end of days, uh, Jews can keep it, but non-Jews can't. With those two exceptions, generally speaking, non-Jews can keep um, you know, all of the commandments. That doesn't mean we say, you know, here's a pair of tefillin. Here's a, you know, it's not like... We go out and try to do it, but generally, you know, if a non-Jew is doing something on their own, they're praying, whatever. Um, or Moshe Feinstein says even Noachide should pray, but okay. So we're sending over to Baltimore to say for Nachachayim asks, if it's the Morashah Kihilas Yaakov, if it's the uh, inheritance of the congregation of Jacob, then why was God shopping the Torah around? According to the Midrash, he went to Asa, and then he went to Yishmael, and then he went to other nations, and they said, nah, we don't think so, what's in there, we don't like that, forget it. So, what is, he, what is God doing shopping around the Torah if there was strictly always a, a, um, a, an inheritance uh, that only belonged to the congregation of Jacob? Right, so as I understand it, just to answer your question, I think it must mean that that was the case after the Jews accepted the Torah. Then it's the inheritance of Jacob. Until that point, 
it was, it was still not full. It was not complete, even though individuals knew it. It was not accepted by the nation yet. So until that point, it was still up for grabs. But once the Jewish people accepted it, okay, now, now a non-Jew can't have it. Until that point, a non-Jew could. To could. Even though patriarchs were told kept it and started and Right, but that was just an individual commitment that they made. But, but any non-Jew at that point could do it. Anyone, anyone decide I want to do it could, could study. Could. There was no prohibition yet. You can't study it. And I, that's what I would answer. Yeah. Uh, Bob, I'm just curious. So, like, let's like, like a person not Jewish studying Torah. Right. So, like, let's say there could not be like one on one learning, which seems obvious. <coughs> like, you're in a colloid. A person not, they're not going to sit in a colloid on somebody Jewish having a one on one learning with somebody not Jewish. Wouldn't be any sense in that. I mean, right. to waste resources. Well, for the Jewish person to teach not Jewish. Yeah. They, they, they to waste they, limited resources. Right. But if it's a class. Yeah. Right. But if it's a, let's say it's a class and they come in into a lecture right. or a shul or anything. Right. I mean, I've seen the lineman shuls plenty of times. Right. So Moshe Feinstein says that if a, if, if a non-Jew happens to be in the crowd. Yeah. Okay. So then he, all he, he doesn't say that that person's allowed to study. He says the teacher's allowed to teach. So the teacher doesn't have to tell the person to leave. Even if the person would leave. I'm saying the person is not required. Um, the, the person, I'm saying that the person teaching is yeah. not violating the law oh, okay. since he's teaching the Jews in the yeah. crowd. In other words, when I had this radio show, yeah. so I taught Torah online. So someone could say, what are you talking about? Most of the listeners aren't Jewish. Yeah. What are you doing teaching Torah to non-Jews? Very much like I said, it doesn't matter. As long as Jews are listening, it doesn't matter if non-Jews are also listening. What about the fact that publications are available free for anyone to buy? I mean, anyone can buy a, a Torah or yeah. even an entire shop if they want to and study it on their own, including non-Jews. Well, but that, no that doesn't mean they're allowed to do it, though. That just because you can't stop it, my mother says a non is not allowed to do it. It doesn't mean whether we stop them or not. The non is allowed to. It doesn't mean we have to stop it. I one's teaching Torah versus someone learning to find. If anything, my mother says in a response, he says that um, non Jews cannot learn on their own, but if they're being taught by someone Jewish, then they could learn Torah. Because the idea would be if they're guided. That's okay. If they just pick it up on their own and they do whatever they want to, then it's dangerous. Uh-huh. But if they're being, one second, if they're being taught by a teacher, then it would be okay. Maimonides, in one of the most controversial responses he ever wrote, says, therefore, if I would ask you, okay, if, if Maimonides would say, can you teach Torah to Christians and Muslims, just to Christians, just to Muslims, i tell you what I would have said, if you know anything about Maimonides. Maimonides holds, and we can't do all this this week, Maimonides holds that Christianity is a problem of idolatry because Jesus is the Son of God, which means Jesus is God, which means, hello, you can't do that. God is God, not the Son of God is God. You can't do that. That's, that's the triple, you can't do everything the Trinity, you can't do it. So Maimonides says, but he says, Islam, that's good monotheism. 100%. Islam, 100% monotheism. Now I'm going to ask you. So if Imani says, who do you teach Torah? I would have said, Islam, I guess people who are monotheists, at least they're on the road. They believe in one God. He says, no, you can teach Christians. You cannot teach Islamic people. You can teach Christians. You know why he says you can teach Christians? Because they already believe, at least in Moses, the Old Testament, they believe in all that. Okay, so it could be that now you convince them you can get them back on the road. Islam says, some of you may know this, that the Torah, we corrupted the Torah. We corrupted the Torah. Islam says that we corrupted the Torah. You see where it said there, okay, that's Yitzchak, some say. It wasn't Yitzchak who was Isaac who was offered as a sacrifice. It was really Ishmael, and he's the seed, and he's the true future. Look what the Jews does. They changed it all. 
Look what they did. They changed everything. They, they ruined it. The Torah, we played with it, they said, and we changed it all around. Do you understand why certain elements in Islam see Judaism as they see it? A God of religion, uh, Jews are monkeys, eight pigs. I'm really, I mean, it says this in the Quran because they took the, the holy sources and they played with them and they changed them. That's what they believe. So my mommy says, you're not going to convince someone like that. What I they think you're, 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 you're falsified. Those things. that already have certain religious indoctrination, like the Muslim perspective, may color what they may study in terms of the Talmud Torah, whereas what about someone who has no uh, predis- religious predisposition, there's no bias in their minds already studying it, and they have kind of a clearer head in that respect. Mm-hmm. It's a good question. Maybe he'd say that's okay, too. It's a good question. Everyone's yes. just a Noahide yes. studying it, for example. Right. Good question. Well, according to my minorities, and according to the seven mitzvahs, I don't see a prohibition in the seven mitzvahs for Noah. I don't see any prohibition there forbidding them to study the Torah. What? Am I missing something? Where does it say in the seven verses, by the way, you also cannot learn the Torah. It's got to be in there, however, for it to be binded. You can't come up with a pasuk and a drush. Well, I'm sure you yeah, go, now you're out. So you can't right. But shouldn't they be forbidden? Do you hear what he's saying, people? There's seven Allah laws. If you're saying, I'm not allowed to like Torah, that's eight. Then sing there's eight Allah laws. You know what I mean? If there's seven, there's seven. Oh, by the way, so, so Rabbi Berlov answers you. Was it? There are those who want to say, although it's a little... I don't know, but there are those who say it. There are those who want to say, we'll see that the Allah says you can't steal, right? But this is our inheritance. You're stealing. There are those who want to say it's adultery. Why? Because it says, don't read Morashak, you know, that's called the inheritance. Read Maorasa. It's the engaged. The Torah, the Jewish people and God are engaged, became married through the Torah. If we're married through the Torah, so what are you doing taking my Tahalo, adultery? What are you doing? But I would say, more private, more simple answer is that we do see there are other elements according to the oral Torah that are relevant to Noahides, even though they're not under the, the rubric of their seven. Let me vav. Um, my mommy says, Mipiyah Kabbalah, according to the oral tradition, B'nai Noach, Asurim, Bahar, Ba'at, Behemah, they're not allowed to, uh, you know, have two animals, you know, raised together, right? Ubahar, Kabbat, Ilana, they can't graft trees. And there's no death penalty for this or anything, but they're not allowed to do it. So I'm just saying, so there are other items as well that could be indicated within the Noahide laws. These are strange ones, because most of the other ones we're going to see next week are generally ones that involve morality. And then here, what do you mean? You can't put, the, let's say, a donkey and a cow together? You can't put two, two different types of trees together? Where does this come out of basic morality that this should be forbidden? Very strange. I'm yes. confused. I thought you said you can't teach Goyim Torah. I mean, they can't learn Torah, but doesn't they just say you can teach them Torah if somebody's dying? I, I, correct. I said you couldn't, right, unless you're on... A general tract to convert. Oh, I thought you said just now you couldn't even No, I did. Conversion. No, you're not confused. You, you, you got exactly right. Oh. Maimonides, I said, is very strange in this way that he says in a responsa that because Christians already believe that kind of like maybe already on the way, and you could get them back. And that, that raised the question I said about Noahides or, or atheists who don't believe have a clear mind. But people already on the road, they already believe in a Moses. They already believe there's something called a Torah. They already, they already believe there was a Jewish people at 613 weeks old. It's just they changed it. So my mind says you could teach them to try to win them back. Oh, but they have to be guided. They have to be guided. They can't just do it on their own. They'll just use it to show again that uh, their Messiah is the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Can't do that. But he says you could do it. Others disagree. Others say, no, you can't. What do you mean? Just... 
Jews and people who are on the conversion track. That's it. That's it, period. Can't do it. Yes. When, when Rambam had a agreement, you've got to teach these Noahides intensely Torah as, insofar as what's relevant to that. A hundred percent. There you go. So let someone say, so Noahides, seven commandments, what are they going to do with their lives, right? What do you mean what are they going to do? And what are they going to do? Like you said, the Shiva, Shem, the right? What do you mean? They could learn their whole life the amount. I, I wish we only had to learn what the Noahides had to learn instead of what we have to learn. Okay? There, there, there'd be still a large corpus. I'm sure if Noahides do that, they'll have commentaries on their corpus of learning and commentaries on commentaries like Jews have. And it'll never end. But uh, basically, yes, Noahides have to know their laws. How can they keep them if they don't know them? Of course, they have to study. You're right, absolutely.